Well, again, uh, good morning, guys. The Lord be with you. Thank you. I want to welcome you here for worship today. You're a great-looking crowd out there. Great way to start the new year and, and being in worship and, and together. And uh, Happy New Year to you. Uh, as you know, we were with our youth last weekend, Katie and I, and several of you, and especially you, uh, youth that were, were uh, on that trip. We had an awesome, awesome breakthrough experience at uh, Timber Creek. We had three students that made first-time professions of faith in Jesus. Uh, we had Robert, and we had Briley Claire, and we had Preston. They all rang the believer's bell, and guys, we're just so proud of them. And I know I just embarrassed them because they didn't know I was going to call them out, but, uh, but y'all, we are so excited for you uh, that you felt God moving in your heart, and you did exactly what that song just says. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want you in my life. And so we're excited uh, for these guys. Two of them are in confirmation and will be confirmed a, a little bit later on in the, uh, the springtime. So, um, but we had a great, great experience. Thank you guys for allowing us to do that. Uh, because y'all, that's why we're here as a church, is to lead people uh, on their faith journeys, wherever God wants to take them, whatever God needs to do in their life, that we are a church that says, hey, we're going to carve some time out and go get with Jesus for a weekend. And that's really, really powerful as a church for us to do that. Um, so let me clarify something that Katie was mentioning earlier because there's a lot of room for confusion about what's happened this week. You know, there was an email that got sent out by our conference office um, on Tuesday, and boy, as a result, all of our anxiety just went through the roof because we're like, I thought we were done with having these conversations about disaffiliation and whether or not you know, a church needs to leave the denomination and all that stuff. Well, I also thought we were, you know, kind of had that at least at bay until after our general conference. Uh, but the email that we got from our leadership team has changed the timelines, okay? This is brand new information that we didn't have before. And so it, it, it sort of changes up some things. And so our church leadership team is going to meet tomorrow night. I know your little pamphlets in your chairs said that the uh, executive team is meeting at 6. We're actually meeting at 5. The executive team is meeting at 5. And we're going to look at the stuff that's come out from the conference and we try to get our minds around it because there's a lot of confusion right now about it. And we are going to figure out what this is communicating and what, if any, impact it has on our church. And we will communicate with you guys about that, okay? Uh, what the leadership team is learning. And I promise we're not going to keep anything from you. We will tell you uh, what we find out and what we know and how those change timelines uh, impact our church. Um, so, can we just breathe for a minute? <laughs> oh, I just felt my anxiety just crank up a notch just coming up here to even talk about any of that stuff. And I know yours is too when you heard Katie, you know, kind of uh, share that with you earlier in the service. Maybe you didn't have any idea anything was happening. Well, boy, has there been. Um, but we're just going to pray. And we're going to talk. We're going to have conversations. And we're just going to Figure all this out, okay? But let's be committed to praying right now, okay? For clarity, because there's a lot of confusion right now. 
All right, but we got some smart people. We got very capable leaders here that can help us to figure it out. All right, so let's put that over here. Let's put it behind the curtain, okay? We're going to put all that back there. Go back there. <laughs> and we're going to come back out here, and we're going to get our Bibles, and we're going to get in the book of Mark. And our time is, yep, we got, we got to jump in because we got communion and, and uh, all of that, and we're going to get to all of it. We're not going to shortchange any of it because it is all important because this is why we're here. And we're focusing on God's word. And from now until Easter, we're going to be in the book of Mark. I'm preaching through this gospel for the next 12, 13 weeks. And I have two goals. Introduce you to this amazing man named Jesus. And two, for you to ask yourself, what does it mean for me to follow him? That's what we're going to be focused on. That's why the Gospel of Mark was written. To clarify, to bring crystal clarity to who is this man Jesus and what makes him different. What impact does this man have on my life? And what does it look like for me to say I'm going to follow him? That's what we're going to be dealing with. And we're going to be looking at some some wonderful stories. And today we're going to start, we're really only going to get to verse 1. <laughs> I mean, it is so dense. Uh, but we, we just don't have time to unpack a lot. But we're going to get there. It's going to be a journey, people. We can't get it all today or else you would all just pass out from, from information overload. So we're going to deal with chapter 1 a little bit. And then as we go, we'll deal with the uh, other parts of Mark. Alright, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand for the reading of the gospel. An old tradition in the church. A way of showing reverence to the word of God. Let's stand. And we're going to have this tradition through, our, uh, through this series. And I'll tell you what they used to do in the ancient church too. Since I have this mic and, and y'all are really close, not like in the sanctuary. They would also come into the middle and read from the gospel. And, and, and as you, wherever you are, I invite you to turn and face the gospel. This is an Anglican tradition. You know, Methodists uh, have roots in Anglicanism. And what it represents is that the gospel, the word made flesh, has come among us. And we have heard him. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled, Jesus said, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent 
and believe in the good news. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, guys, through this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be putting our focus on Jesus. Squarely on Jesus. And His teachings, His person, His ministry, and what He has come to do for us. This is going to be our priority because Jesus is the central character in the Christian story. And what a better way to begin a new year than to put our focus on Him as He is presented in the Gospel of Mark. Now, one of the things that that we have a problem with sometimes is we treat Jesus more like an accessory in the church. You know, like a piece of jewelry, we can put a cross on and we come to church, we look nice, we present our cross, you know, the bigger the better, the more elaborate the better, right? Uh, we come to church, we wear our brooches, we, we have our Bibles, we have Jesus, right? These things represent for us Jesus in some ways and our desire to follow Him. But how easily it is when we leave the church, we take the cross off, we put the Bible away, and maybe we don't focus as much on the Lord as we should throughout the week. But Jesus is not an accessory to all that we do with this church stuff. Jesus is the primary reason we exist. He is our focus. We have one call and we have one mission. The call and the mission is this, to know Jesus and to make Him known. That's why we're here, is to know this man Jesus and to follow Him as He leads us into the world to make Him known. And as we follow, we grow in our discipleship. This is what we are all about. You see, Jesus is not peripheral. He is center. Just as the communion table this morning is central, Jesus is central. He is the priority of everything that we are about. Either Jesus is everything to us or He's nothing. He's all or He's nothing. This is who Jesus is. And Mark is a great place for us to encounter the real Jesus. Because Mark was written to help Christians grasp two things. Who is this man Jesus and what does it look like for me to follow Him? Okay? So let's get a gospel orientation this morning. Let me orient you to the gospel. And just as Mark begins with these words, I remind you, the beginning of the gospel, or some of your Bibles may say good news, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Mark gives us some insider information right here from the beginning that those who first follow him didn't have. As we move through this gospel, as we live in its stories, And in its words, what we're going to discover is how is Jesus Christ and Son of God? Those are critical elements to understanding who Jesus is. Christ, by the way, is not Jesus' last name. 
That's not his last name. It is a title. It is a Greek word, Christos, and it means anointed one. And it is referring very specifically to an Old Testament image. And in Hebrew, which is what our Old Testaments were written in, the Hebrew word is Messiah. So Christ and Messiah are two different languages way of saying something or the saying the same thing about Jesus is that he is God's anointed king. And then you have this other phrase son of God that we'll get to in just a moment. So let's talk about what is a gospel. So so Mark says the beginning of the gospel. What is a gospel? Well, we know we have these four books in our Bibles. Let's name them together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Right, let's do it one more time. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The four Gospels, okay? They're right there at the beginning of our New Testament. Now, these are not necessarily biographies about the life of Jesus, but rather they are summaries of Jesus' life that offer four different perspectives of His life. And the difference that he makes. And each of those gospel writers points in a little bit different way to, to some uniqueness about this man, Jesus. So uh, that's what a gospel, that's what these gospels are. Now Mark, we believe, was written first in the first century, sort of towards the middle to the end of the first century. Possibly not even 30, 40 years after Jesus actually died. So it's early, early Christian writing. Now, his basic agenda is to show us that Jesus is the Messiah, the one promised in the Old Testament, and that he is the divine Son of God. And the reason Mark wants us to to know these things about Jesus is so that we will believe in him and follow him. Okay? That's why he's writing this, is to convince us of these things. Now, what does the word gospel mean? Now, uh... What did Mark have in mind when he used this word? Now, I can tell you that he wasn't thinking of a type of literature. He, doesn't, he didn't sit down and say, I'm going to write gospel literature. That didn't even exist. There was no such thing as gospel literature. Neither was he referring to a genre of Christian music called gospel music. Nobody in the first century had Kirk Franklin and C.C. Winans on any playlist. There was no gospel music. There was no gospel literature. But the word gospel is is actually a very technical term referring to uh, the good news about Jesus. And sometimes when we see the word gospel, we see uh, in some translations is used good news. Those words are used kind of interchangeably. But really, Christians in the first century, they co-opted this word. They borrowed it and gave it a new meaning. Okay? So what was the original meaning of gospel? Well, in the first century, gospel meant something more than good news. About something or someone. Good news might be something like this. Gas prices are falling. That'd be some great news, wouldn't it? I mean, I'd love to see gasoline under $2 again. That would be awesome news. Uh, Good news might be Shipley's Donuts is giving away free donuts tomorrow. Let's line up. We're going to get the free donuts. That's great news. 
While those things are good things that happen, that doesn't get at the essence of what makes gospel good news. You see, gospel means more than that. Actually, gospel refers to the Greek word euangelion, which is where we translate gospel from. That word is a technical term that was used when a, a king and his army would defeat their enemies. They would bring news of that back to the Roman province, and it was called a gospel. It's good news, proclaiming the defeat of their enemies. And the good news is that there's going to be peace now. There's going to be prosperity. You know, one of the ways we might think about it is that one of a, if a, if a, a, a statewide or local or, or national figure, candidate is elected, you know, we all, we, we, we think that some of us, we receive that as good news. And, and we think that uh, that person is going to make life better for us. That they're going to bring in prosperity. That, uh, that they're going to lead us to a better life. That the economy is going to flourish. There are going to be new jobs. Our 401ks are going to be awesome. I wish that was the case right now. Uh, we believe that there will be prosperity and security for our families. The announcement that such a candidate like that has won is what we would call gospel. You see, it's a big term. It, it, it implies a lot to it. And, you know, when we say that Jesus is gospel, what we mean is we're pointing to the totality of who Jesus is. We're saying that, that what Jesus came on earth to do is good news for us. What Jesus is doing right now in heaven on our behalf, it's good news for us. And what Jesus will do in the future when He returns is good news. You see, gospel encompasses all of that about Jesus. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking uh, that this isn't relevant to me because I already know the gospel. I got it, Jimmy. I know what the gospel is. I know Jesus died for my sins. I got it. Well, let me push back on you just a little bit. I want to suggest that Mark's presentation of the gospel is not the shallow end of the pool. You know, the shallow end is reserved for the babies. It's reserved for those who don't know how to swim yet and haven't explored the depths and the fun of the deep end yet. You know, sometimes we think of, we hear gospel and we think, ah, that's Christianity 101. That's the basics. The gospel, y'all, is not just simply a doorway into the deeper things of God. You see, the gospel is the presentation of this man, Jesus. It is our invitation to journey with Him and to learn who He is and what it means to be His follower. Y'all, the gospel is not the shallow end of the pool, it's the deep end. The gospel is not Christianity 101, but it's the most advanced class that you can imagine. That's what the gospel is, is because it's the gospel of Jesus. It's the presentation of Jesus. And all that He is, 
and all that He does for us. Not just at the beginning of our faith journeys, but from that point for all of eternity. Do you understand all of that? Do you know the influence of all of that on your life? Have you lived into the fullness of who Jesus is? Well, I can tell you the church and people for 2,000 plus years have been trying to mine the depths of who Jesus is. And the last time I checked, there are hundreds of books every year that are written to help us to know Him more. Y'all, this is the shallow end of the pool, uh, the deep end of the pool. And so this is our invitation to follow Him. And Jesus gets real personal with this story. At the end of what I read, Jesus comes on the scene in Galilee for His public ministry. And He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in this good news. You see, what Jesus is saying is the gospel is here. The kingdom is here because I am the representation of that. I am the embodiment of all of your hopes and your dreams for what God wants to do. It's here. Repent. Believe. And later he will say, follow me. So how is the gospel good news for me today? Well, Mark tells us that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself is the goodness of the gospel. Jesus is the center of the good news. It's not a church program. The gospel isn't a Bible study. The gospel isn't a resource for self-help or any of that sort of thing. The good news we have to proclaim isn't that we have heat and air conditioning in our sanctuary. Although that's great. The gospel isn't, we have comfortable seats. Although that's debatable. <laughs> Y'all, those things are great. But the point, the focus of our worship and the focus of our lives is Jesus. It's this man, Jesus. Do we know Him? And are we following Him? Y'all, the good news is we have Jesus in our lives. He is a part of our story. Or rather, we are a part of His story. The story that He's writing. And without Jesus, we are miserable. Hopeless. Without Him. So the gospel is good news is because Jesus is offering himself to us. Why is this a big deal? Because there are many, many ways that we take Jesus and we move him over to the side. And we focus on other things. Y'all, we're really good at making things other than Jesus a priority in our church and in our life. you don't believe me just ask the Pharisees well there's some things that they made more important than God absolutely Jesus confronts them over over and over again 
If you don't believe me, ask John the Baptist. Why did he go to the wilderness? Why didn't he just stay in Jerusalem? Because they were distracted. They couldn't hear. They couldn't see. They weren't making God a priority. And sometimes we just have to get back to the basics of who we are and why we're here. And Jesus helps us to understand that. So Mark, he tells us that this is the good news of Jesus. Not about Jesus, but of Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. The whole content of who he is, his life and ministry is gospel for us. But, but Mark goes on to tell us that he is Christ and Son of God. What is Mark trying to say to us? He is saying that two things are coming together in this one person, Jesus. That he is both this messianic king, this descendant of David, that was going to usher in a kingdom of peace and righteousness for God's people. And he is also the divine son of God. And y'all, that divine Son of God part is a mind bender. How is that? How is Jesus this earthly messianic king and a divine person? There's such beauty in that. There's such mystery in it. And what I'm inviting you to do over these next several weeks, is to get curious about this man, Jesus. How is he Christ and God? Get curious. And I hope you will join me this year. Uh, I'm reading through the uh, New Testament. I spent time last year reading through the Old Testament. Uh, this year I'm reading through the New Testament, and I'm starting with the book of Mark. I've been reading in it for several weeks now already, getting ready for the series. But I want to invite you to join me on that journey. Let's get curious about this man, Jesus. Let's learn how to formulate answers to these questions that we've already talked about and oriented ourselves to this morning. And I believe if we do this together, we will encounter 